Hello. Bonjour. Bonjour. Ciao. Hello. Welcome to Fertility Insights, the Cooper Surgical Podcast. Welcome to Fertility Insights, the Cooper Surgical Fertility Solutions Podcast. We're delighted you've joined us to learn more about various aspects of fertility from highly respected and experienced experts within the field. My name is Steve Levitt and I'm the Director of Clinical Application at Cooper Surgical Fertility Solutions. In this episode, I'm joined by Dr. Kazem Nouri uh, and Dr. Jason Swain. Jason, if I can, if I can move to you, um, Kazem has nicely um, explained about uh, an ideal embryo transfer. Um, you get the catheter back from, from the clinician, um, as I'm sure all embryologists do. You check the catheter um, to, to look for blood and mucus, etc., uh, but also for retained embryos. So do you have a strategy if you, um, if you see retained embryos um, in, in the lab? What, 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 would, you, what would you do in, in, uh, in that scenario? Yeah, uh, great question. So we uh, check the catheter for retained embryos on every transfer. Uh, at least in the United States, we have an oversight uh, uh, body, uh, College of American Pathologists, and that's one of the checklist questions to make sure that that's in an SOP. So I think that's pretty standard practice. Uh, and if it's not, it, it should be added. Uh, so we use isolettes. Uh, so we are in the transfer room and in very close proximity uh, to the physician and the patient. And so when they hand the catheter back, as you noted, we will uh, make a visual observation of mucus or blood. Uh, we then place the catheter uh, into the isolate through one of the openings. Uh, we, we place it in our load dish where we have loaded the embryos from, which is just our embryo transfer media, which I'm sure we can uh, talk about that topic uh, later as well. And then we, we essentially disassemble the catheter, meaning we physically remove the syringe. Uh, and there's some variation on this. We then generally take the syringe, draw up some media uh, from uh, some sort of reservoir. We use a center well dish where there's media in the outer rim or moat. So you drop a little bit of media in there, reattach it to the catheter, and then flush that media down through while visualizing that expulsion under the microscope. Uh, and you can then watch to see if any embryos come out. Um, if there is mucus, a lot of times they'll be attached to the mucus. Um, you know, if you get a lot of air bubbles, you may have to kind of poke around for a little bit uh, to make sure they're not stuck on air bubbles. But but generally, once you've been trained and, and, uh, and you know what you're doing, you minimize air bubbles and, and things like that that can, can cause some issues. And, and, you know, the vast majority of the time, there are no retained embryos, but once in a great while, there will be. And all we do is we verbally notify the physician in a very calm manner. Um, we have a retained embryo, uh, in which case uh, we then reload a catheter. And there's some, some debate or some question about whether you use the same catheter or a new catheter. Uh, I don't have strong opinion either way. Some of it may be logistics. We tend to have extra catheters with us on our isolate. Um, and our isolate that are pre-warmed, that's part of our protocol. So we tend to grab a new catheter, reload it just to make sure that there's no issue, whether there are bends or other things that, that may impact the, the subsequent pending follow-up transfer. Uh, but if your catheter is clean, if it's not bent, if, if there's nothing wrong with it and you don't have an extra one handy, uh, I don't know of any literature that says you can't simply reload that catheter. Um, you may just have to take some precautions because if, if you've flushed media through that, 
and that's not your normal SOP, your, your loading may be different. So for us, it's very convenient just to grab a new catheter because we can make sure that we're loading it exactly the same as we did the first time. And we don't have to make any adjustments based on flushing and, and things of that nature. And, and it also permits you the ability to perhaps change catheters if the physician perhaps asks for a longer or shorter catheter than the first time. So we use a new catheter would load and then uh, redo the transfer. And, and I think most people are aware that the, the literature that does exist indicates that there's no significant difference in clinical outcome uh, when doing a subsequent transfer from a retained embryo. Yeah, I think uh, that that's that's uh, that's very true. And um, the difficulty is in uh, in embryos that are um, that are uh, retained that you don't see, of course, which um, is something we all have to assume doesn't happen. But there are some studies that have shown that uh, that embryos can appear in uh, on the speculum. For example, they've noted when they've done some uh, dye studies about how uh, fluid moves after embryo transfer. But thankfully, it's a, it's a rare event <clears throat> that you find a, a retained embryo. But it brings us nicely onto uh, a discussion about um, embryo transfer media. As you mentioned there, I think this might be an appropriate uh, time to to discuss that. I think there are um, uh, two or three uh, issues that come up when, when we talk about it. One is um, which you've mentioned is about volume, but w- which media to use, whether there's a role for uh, hyaluronan, um, and the second, whether there's a role for oil um, in the embryo transfer dish uh, to protect uh, both the, the temperature and uh, and pH. Now, I know your situation is uh, somewhat different because you use isolates, but there are a lot of people, of course, who don't use isolates, so your experience there would be uh, would be really helpful, I think. Yeah, and, and thankfully, I've done it both ways, so I can uh, I can speak at least from my perspective uh, to both. So, uh, great questions, all of them, uh, very practical and, and very relevant. Uh, in terms of media, uh, we use a hyaluronin-based media uh, that is our part of our protocol. Uh, protocol. In, in years past, we used just a blastocyst culture media supplemented with additional protein uh, because we do blastocyst transfer. Uh, we use a blastocyst-based media. Um, because we're in isolates, when we're in an isolate, we would use a bicarbonate-based media, which would be one of these specialized embryo transfer media with hyaluronin or just our, our basic blastocyst culture media supplemented with a slightly higher level of protein. If we worked outside of isolates in, in a warmed hood, for example, uh, in the past, we had used a heat or a mops buffered media to stabilize the pH. So, the nice thing there is the hood and the isolate uh, can both be warmed to help maintain uh, temperature stability. And then you can use a heaps buffered or mops buffered media uh, if outside the confines of a gassed isolate or incubator to help stabilize pH. Um, so I've mentioned a couple supplements there. Uh, you can supplement with higher levels of protein. Uh, and we had done that for, for years to try to uh, essentially make it a bit more viscous uh, uh, to perhaps facilitate better mixing with uterine fluid. Uh, There are now a few publications from Mike Reed and others that show that adding additional protein actually doesn't really increase the viscosity of the the culture media. And there's older paper from uh, older papers from uh, Dr. Menezo and others that show that viscosity alone really doesn't uh, impact the embryo transfer. So I don't know that adding higher level of protein is necessarily beneficial. I don't think it's uh, 
detrimental at all, but there's really no hard data to show that adding, uh, you know, 20% or 50% protein, um, is, is going to improve things. I think we did it because of some of the early papers by Patrick Quinn and others showing that up to 50% patient serum uh, in embryo transfer media was, was beneficial. Uh, and again, it, it, it does uh, increase the colloid osmotic pressure and you can visually see what happens when you, when you put an embryo in a high protein media and put it into a lower protein environment, uh, the media and the embryo kind of sink. Uh, and as Rusty Poole likes to say, it kind of falls off the end of the catheter like a bowling ball. And so if we're worried about embryo placement and migration in the, uh, in the uterine cavity, higher protein may uh, help uh, with that and may not. Um, in terms of hyaluronin, that's the supplement I think that uh, most people are aware of and that there's certainly the most literature uh, out there indicating uh, that there is a potential benefit, um, some reviews indicating uh, that there's a benefit. So it's certainly not, um, you know, uh, consistent across the board in terms of whether it's uh, always found to be beneficial, but that is the supplement that seems to be the one that if there's a benefit of adding a supplement, at least uh, with the existing data that we have at our disposal, uh, seems to potentially offer a benefit. On a, on a slightly different point, obviously um, the endometrium uh, is extremely important in uh, the success of, a, of an embryo transfer. And what strategies do you have to ensure that the uh, endometrium is as receptive as it as it may as it could be um, for the success of the of the embryo transfer and and when do you measure it what what criteria do you use uh, to determine it's um, it's suitable to actually go ahead with the embryo transfer itself? Well, it depends on uh, if you are performing a kept cryo embryo transfer or a fit fresh embryo transfer. So basically. There are uh, lots of publications in this regard. At least in our clinics, uh, if you have an endometrium, for example, on the day of retrieval and it's less than, than 7.5 millimeter, you should be really thinking about transferring the embryos back. Because the best measurement we have right now and the most suitable one is, of course, using the ultrasound and measure the thickness of the endometrium. If it's more than 7.5 millimeter, more than 8 millimeter, as a matter of fact, it's safe to perform the embryo transfer. On the other side, there are also some publications suggesting if the endometrium is more than 15, 16 millimeter, you should again don't uh, transfer the embryos. I think there's only one publication in this regard. So basically, you should not forget it's always uh, play. It's always a, a, a conversation between the embryo and endometrium. That means if you have a top quality embryo with a nice embryo transfer, if the endometrium is uh, also 7.5 millimeter, you might achieve the pregnancy. Vice versa, you have a very good embryo, 10 millimeter, three, uh, three layers, beautiful as we want to have it, but the quality of embryo is not good, so the patient is not getting pregnant. And of course, well, regarding embryo, there are uh, lots of stuff coming, you know, about ERA test, ERA peak test. So maybe it's not, maybe in five years, if you ask me the same question, I would say, 
Well, ultrasound is fine, but as a matter of fact, we have the genes, the expression of the genes, which will determine if you can perform the embryo transfer or not. We still hear, we don't have that, that much publication. And if you compare the numbers of publications, for example, in regard of the endometrium in the last 20 years, 25 years, and compare it with um, medications for stimulation, you will see a huge significant difference in favor of the medication. So what I'm trying to say is we don't know much about the endometrium, thanks God. In the last three, four years, there are much publication. There are as much publication as in the last uh, 30 years regarding the endometrium. So this is a very exciting field, endometrium and, and reproductive medicine. And I'm sure in the next years, we will understand much more in this regard and will uh, adapt our clinical way accordingly. Thank you to everyone that's um, tuned in to this episode of uh, Fertility Insights. Uh, please like, uh, share and comment uh, if you would like to. Uh, that will help us and, and make sure to tune in uh, to our future episodes.